Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. I'm your host, Celine Chenoy. Thank you to all of you who return every week to tune in to become a better version of yourself. Make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't already, and rate our show if you enjoyed this episode. Cultures around the world have their own unique spirituality and traditions, including the ones in Africa. Transcendent and practical, African rituals and wellness practices have the power to transform, cultivate vitality, and expand our consciousness. After embarking on a spiritual journey to connect with the motherland, my guest Arabi Afori Aqua found healing and alignment. Today, she'll introduce us to the mystical world of her African heritage. Arabi Afori Aqua is a healer, DJ, cultural curator, and award-winning writer based between Accra, Ghana, and London, the United Kingdom, who lives and teaches African-centered wellness a practice rooted in African wisdom that promotes the well-being and empowerment of the global Black population. In this interview, Araba will give us an overview of African spirituality and the three African values that can help us cultivate a mindset of success. She'll also talk about the three seeds of African-centered wellness and practices we can incorporate into our daily lives. Hi, Araba. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. It is so lovely to have you on the show. I'm excited to talk to you about uh, your beautiful traditions and heritage, which you write about in your new book, Return to Source. And I have to say it is a very informative read with many valuable tools and rituals that I think... um, many people haven't heard of. I mean, I myself was, uh, it's the first time I was exposed to some of them. And I want to get your opinion on this, Araba. Why do you think that African spirituality has not become as mainstream as other types have? Mm, um, First of all, thank you um, for those kind words about the book. And also thank you for starting with such an important question. you know, it's it's so multi-layered, but what I will try and squeeze into a, a concise answer is, um, you know, we have to look at the history of um, Africa's interaction with the West, basically, because the wellness and the spirituality that we're familiar with um, even though it seems to come from lots of different places, you know, we have a lot of Eastern philosophy and um, increasingly more Native American indigenous philosophy. Um, but it's all through a Western lens. <laughs> so even though we have all these different sources that we're getting informa- information from, a lot of what we are exposed to and what we have access to is driven by what is accepted by the West. So when we look back at Africa's history with the West and we look to the times of the transatlantic slave trade and then what followed colonialism, we find that in order to um, 
subdue and oppress and steal African Africans and African resources, what the European powers and later American powers did was to basically break down every fiber of the society that they could. Um, so, you know, they didn't just come and steal people and that was the end of it. Um, they attacked our belief system. They attacked the African belief system. And they did that through religion um, by bringing Christianity and not just bringing Christianity, because there's nothing wrong with sharing a, a religion with a new group of people. Um but it's what came with the other side of that was demonizing our traditional spirituality and actually demonizing everything about our traditional life. Um, so, you know, our, our traditional herbal medicine was demonized. It was um, told to us that it was backwards and barbaric. Our spirituality was demonized. Our education system was demonized. So it was a consistent attack on everything traditional African, basically, and spirituality didn't escape from that. And because it was not only demonized, but then Christianity was presented as the alternative and the better alternative, that is a lie that has continued to be perpetuated over literally centuries. So we now find ourselves in a space where even among the black community, there's this idea that our traditional African spirituality is demonic, is barbaric, is uncivilized, all these things, all these lies that were told to us hundreds of years ago. And, you know, it's going to take probably another few centuries to completely undo that because the conditioning runs so deep. Um, so I think that's kind of, you know, one of the, the main reasons that this information isn't accessible. Um, another reason is, of course, you know, just like in any field, um, whether it's the arts or science or whatever, um, we just find that the knowledge of Black people and people of colour isn't held in as high esteem as Western knowledge. So um, even some things which we call New Age spirituality actually have their roots in Africa, but in the in the way that we are presented them, they're never credited in that way. So all of these things interplay to ensure that African spirituality is inaccessible and also often misunderstood and feared. Wow. And I think that's something that happened to a lot of countries in Asia and basically any country, any territory that was colonized by the mm -hmm. West, you know, but why do you think it did, did not happen, say, with the, the Indian traditions? Like India was colonized by the British Empire, but still we see a popularity of all the Indian traditions like yoga and Ayurveda yeah. and things like that. So there was nothing stopping a culture like that from becoming mainstream. And I'm wondering such a big, large, um, diverse culture, uh, you know, cultures in Africa, like how has it not become, how come we don't know about it? For me, the first time right. I was exposed to anything about African spirituality and tradition was the holiday Kwanzaa. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but Kwanzaa. Okay. Are you familiar yeah, with that's that? African-American. Oh, is it? Okay. I thought it had roots in their African ancestry. 
that's yeah so it's an african-american at least from how i understand it it's an african-american holiday um that is yes rooted in african knowledge and african tradition but is fairly newly created and was created by the african-american community i see i'm sure a lot of people would like to know more about it because it's so it's it's so beautiful and there's so many mm-hmm. so many great things that we don't know about it and you yourself mentioned in the book araba that yeah. you are wondering like where is all this information why why isn't it out there because you were into personal mm-hmm. growth and spirituality mm-hmm. from the start and then that's what led you to to kind of learn more and to do some research and I'm curious to know what led to that interest about your African heritage and your desire yeah. to connect with your roots. Sure. Um, so first of all, let me just address, um, you know, your question about, you know, if we look at, for example, India, a lot of their knowledge has been, uh, shall we say, exported and accepted and co-opted. Um, I think, again, it's very multifaceted. It's a very complex topic. Um, but one of the things um, that has made Eastern philosophy so mainstream is the fact that, um, you know, in the 60s, even earlier, but I think the main boom was in the 60s, 70s, you had these young liberal white Americans adopt such culture, um, such traditions, right? And then you had um, the scientific community as well, the Western scientific community also putting their stamp of approval on things like yoga and meditation. So previously, those things had been demonized and even still are in some communities, you know. So it's again this idea of it's not because it's in Eastern philosophy, it's because they've got Western stamps of approval, which is also a double edged sword. The second thing I want to discuss with regards to that is the written word, because in the West, we have a um, a particular belief that the written word equates to intelligence, equates to credibility, equates to truth. Right. Um, and in India, there are the Vedas, there are the scriptures, you know, there are these texts which are thousands of years old, which talk about yoga. And, um, you know, there are there are scriptures for a range of their traditions. So that makes it somewhat easier to be adopted and co-opted by the West. Um, in Africa, our tradition is oral tradition. You know, information is shared through stories, through storytellers, through experience, um, through, you know, um, things are encoded in our pieces of art. We don't use the written word in the same way as an archiving tool. And therefore, there isn't that credibility for a lot of our knowledge that would be um, given to Eastern philosophies, for example. Um and then there's the masculine feminine connection, which I know we're going to come back on to later. So let me. I mean, we can get into it now if you feel like uh, it will help you make your point. Okay, sure. Um, so I'm sure your listeners are very familiar with, um, you know, the idea of different energies and things like that. Um, they may be familiar with the idea of masculine energy versus feminine energy. And when we talk about these two energies, we're not talking about gender, we're not talking about male, female. 
it's this idea that there is a duality at play in the universe and within us and within everything. And one side of that duality is feminine energy, which relates to the moon. It relates to the mother archetype, you know, very caring, nurturing, connected to nature, um, slow moving. And then on the other side of the coin is masculine energy, which more relates to the sun and is much more active and fast and intellectual, uh, much more connected to logic. And this is, well, first of all, in many spiritual practices, the aim is to balance those two energies within us and within the world, right? But we currently live in a society that is very much skewed in the masculine. We live in a patriarchal, uh, patriarchal capitalistic society that is very much in the masculine energy. So then when we look at these different traditions, traditions uh, like, um, you know, Zen Buddhism, traditions like Ashtanga Yoga, what we find is that even if they're not necessarily supposed to be this way, the Western adaptation of these philosophies is very much in the masculine energy. You know, it's this idea of studying intellectually, of being seated in silent meditation, of um, a very kind of individualistic approach to achieving enlightenment, you know, and this is something that is easier for the Western mindset to adopt because it's in that masculine energy. But when we look at African spirituality and other indigenous spiritualities, they are very much rooted in feminine energy. You know, they're much more about connecting with nature and being at one with nature. They're much more about community and community healing, community rituals. They're much more about um, movement and dance and, Mm. you know, kind of healing that is much more... um, I don't even know if this is the right word, but much more flowy and joyful. Flowy, you know? yeah, and yeah. It, that's, that's a yeah, good word. A lot yep. less serious, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it, it also then makes sense that um, the patriarchal society, which we are all part of and we're all conditioned by whether we like it or agree with it or not, it makes sense that we're more easily able to give credibility to and adopt something that is rooted in masculine energy as opposed to feminine energy. So I think that's also another reason that certain um, Eastern philosophies have done better than, for example, indigenous American philosophies or African philosophies. Mm, That's a great, great answer. And Araba, I know that Africa has a lot of tribes a lot of tribes, a lot of individual cultures within the continent. Um, So when you're describing African spirituality, is it a generalization or is, are you talking about where you're from Ghana specifically? Can you just clarify that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So when I talk about African spirituality, it is something that can look different for different people, right? It's not a religion or one spiritual path. It's rather a way of referring to um, a a spiritual path that is rooted in African wisdom. And when I say African wisdom, of course, there is not just one way to be African. There is not one African tradition. But when we look at some of the major 
um, African kingdoms and empires and um, communities through time, we see that their belief systems have certain common threads that run through all of them. So just in the same way that every country in the West is not the same, but you can see certain values that run through the Western way of living. It's the same in African tradition. You know, you can go to um, different corners of the continent and find that people do certain things very differently. But if you peel away the layers and look at the values that are driving those things, it comes back to the same the same few values, you know, um, the value of community. I mean, I know we're going to come on to this, but. Yeah, um, yeah, you the three African values. Exactly, exactly. Yes. So there are three African values that I identified that seem to be the, the key values that run through every um, major African belief system. And those three values are community, destiny, and harmony. So community, for example, it can look different in different places. You know, in, in some parts of traditional Africa, you would have seen, um, you know, multi-generational households. In other parts of Africa, you might have seen a situation where um, the household isn't so individualized and the whole community just kind of lives together, <laughs> you know. Um, in other parts, you might have seen, you, you might have seen people living together more grouped by age and gender and all of that rather than who their blood relative is but all of those show community you know you wouldn't find this um what you find now in many major cities across africa this nuclear home situation we have going on where you'll have um let's say a, a wife a husband and their two children living in a house behind high walls and they don't even know their neighbors. You know, that's not the traditional African way of doing things. Um, so, yes, community. And then destiny is another one that, again, you'll see it manifest in different ways. But across different African traditions, you find that this idea of destiny is incredibly important. There is a belief that you know, depending on your ethnic group, you either believe that your destiny is given to you, gifted to you by God before you're born, or it's chosen for you, or you choose it yourself. You know, there's different nuances, but whatever whatever the specifics, there's an idea that we each have our own unique destiny and we're hmm. on a path to fulfill it. Can you call it our own unique purpose? And is it similar to that? It's similar. So I like to um, differentiate destiny and purpose just slightly, because I believe your divine destiny is something that is very much written. You know, it is a very specific end point, if you will, that your life or your lifetimes are working towards. Whereas for me, a purpose is something that helps you get to that destiny. But a purpose can change over time, even within one lifetime, you know. Um, and I, I think it's really important for us to think of purpose in that way because it also takes the pressure off. You know, I think a while back in personal development circles, there was this idea that everyone needs to find their one purpose and then, you know, you have all these people thinking, like, I have no idea what my one big purpose is. And it's very stressful. And then you feel like you're doing life wrong. Um, 
But actually, your purpose is constantly changing and it's constantly changing to keep you on the path of your destiny. So at one point in time, your purpose might be solely focused on raising your family, you know, and then at another point in time, your purpose might be focused on gaining the skills that you need in a particular career, you know, retraining or something like that. Another point in time, your purpose may become much bigger. It may be creating change in your community. But the most important thing is that we stay connected to our intuition, connected to our ancestors, connected to the divine, whatever that means for us, so that we can constantly see where our purpose is shifting and we can move with it. And that's what will help us eventually fulfill our destiny. Mm, thank you for making that distinction. I'm sure a lot of people are having aha moments right now. So <laughs> destiny, could you give us an example on that so that people can really, really, really understand that that concept? Mm. Yeah, you know, it's a very difficult concept to grasp because it's just so big, you know? Yeah. But something that I like to use to kind of conceptualize it is um, First of all, this idea that destiny is held by your soul, that's in the Akan tradition, which is my tradition. The belief is that your destiny, your enkrabia, that's what it's called, is protected by your soul, which is called your kra. You know, in other African traditions, it's protected by another part of you. It might be protected by your head or by your ancestral guardian. But in my tradition, your destiny is held by your soul. Now, if we also agree and believe that your soul can be reincarnated, then that means that your destiny is something that can actually be carried through different people, you know, not just through you. So let's say that, for example, my destiny is, um, you know, to bring African spirituality to the world or something like that, you know, then it's very possible that in fact, it's probable that this is work that has been um, being done in my lineage for hundreds of years, you know, and the the part of my soul which comes from my ancestry, which is reincarnated in me, has held this destiny. So maybe my uh, great-grandma also had this destiny, and maybe her great-grandma before her also had this destiny. So it's this thing that it's it's not you, it's not me, Araba, who has to fulfill this destiny. It's my soul. And so it can continue over many, many lifetimes until that destiny is fulfilled. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Oh yeah, yeah. So it is connected to your lineage and your lineage and your ancestor, which is I know a big part of African spirituality. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it can sound very um, you know, esoteric and all esoteric. of that. But yeah, if you think about yourself, if every listener just thinks about themselves and thinks about a gift that they have, you know, um, selling this work that you're doing, you know, mm. you are a storyteller, you're creating space for people, you're healing, you know. So if you look back in your lineage, you'll see that other people had done similar things, you know, maybe with different tools. But there would have been other storytellers and healers in your lineage. You know, these listeners, um, I encourage each of you listeners actually to think about what is my gift or what are my gifts? Is it, um, 
you know, is it is it caring for others? Is it um, leadership? Is it storytelling? Is it woodworking? Is it making clothes? Whatever it is, I guarantee you, if you look back at your ancestry, you will see that you have ancestors who had those same gifts. And I think that is a very tangible way of seeing this idea of destiny being passed through incarnation. Because in many African traditions, we believe that every time a child is born, there is an ancestor who is coming back in that child. So their soul is not here for the first time. Yeah, that's so different from Western individualism, where if you like what, you know, every child that's born has their own unique destiny and they have to find their own way. And mm-hmm. it's very different from that rugged individualism. It's like live your own life and right. your family's just there to support you in your early years. And then you got to find your own way and your own destiny. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually a very different approach. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things that it, that can be tricky about understanding this African approach to wellness and spirituality is holding those two things together. This idea of community and for us, community includes your ancestors, it includes your descendants yet to be born. And then this idea of individualism, right, or individuality, let's say. Um, being rooted in community doesn't mean you deny your uniqueness or you deny yourself as an individual the best way to um, honor community is to do that in balance with honoring who you are as a unique individual and those gifts that we mentioned earlier you know it's it's a very delicate balance but it's a very important one so you have to see yourself as um, you know it's almost like a patchwork quilt right if you look at each square each square tells its own story but the square by itself wouldn't keep you warm it's the coming Mm. together of all these different squares and they create this thing that has utility and this thing that looks beautiful and this thing that tells a story and that works together but that doesn't take away from the individual beauty of each tiny patch so it's really important that we don't go one way too much, you know. We don't mm-hmm. deny to focus on individual enlightenment or individual success or whatever it might be. But we also don't lose our individual individuality in trying to live for the community. We have to find that middle ground. Yeah, and that's a great metaphor, by the way. I love that. Um, <laughs> and I think we have the third value. I think, have you mentioned that yet harmony harmony um this is another one that i i think can be can be so tricky to get your head around um but for me harmony is it's really just finding alignment i i i think if you remain alive aligned with you know like I said earlier your intuition your ancestors the divine harmony flows naturally right if you stay in alignment harmony flows and then your only job is to not resist when you're being pulled in whatever direction you need to go in right but the thing is we are constantly resisting if we even think about living in harmony with nature often when we talk about that People instantly think of 
the climate crisis or, um, you know, all the things that we do to try and control the environment around us. But nature is so much more than the trees and the animals. You know, it's also things like the moon cycle. It's also things like the seasonal cycle, wherever you are in the world. It's also things like astrology. So to say that you want to live in harmony with nature, it doesn't have to mean recycling <laughs> or, um, you know, trying to get to, um, to net zero. It can also mean um, taking note of your menstrual cycle and how it impacts you and what it's asking you to do at different points in your cycle. And then actually listening instead of trying to be the same version of yourself throughout your whole 25 to 30 day cycle. There's a book on that, like trying to sync your activities and your mm. diet to your cycle. So I think uh, people in the West have picked up on that. And I hope they're giving credit, credit to Africans <laughs> for that. Yeah, you know, and not just Africans, you know, this is um, this is stuff that is in indigenous. It's in, in an indigenous I, I people because we don't know. But yeah, yeah. In many indigenous cultures, you know. Yeah. But, but even if you don't have a menstrual cycle, you have a 24-hour cycle. You know, we as humans, we all have cycles. There's there's no, we can't just be the same all the time. So it's also recognizing what your 24-hour cycle is like. Um, Biorhythms. Exactly, exactly. And it's even recognizing things like, um, you know, do you find that you're more creative at the beginning of the week and more analytical at the end of the week, then adjust your tasks so that that makes sense. You know, instead of us trying to just force ourselves into very rigid schedules that don't take into account our hormones, astrology, the moon, um, you know, all of these natural occurrences around us, that's something that is, I think, a huge issue for our well-being. So, For me, harmony is also about that. You know, it's also about just not fighting ourselves, not fighting our bodies, not fighting our minds, and rather trying to understand and work with our natural cycles. And you know you're doing that when you face stress, like excessive stress and anxiety. That's when you know you are out of harmony. Right, exactly. And that's the thing. We always wait and I, myself included, we always wait until we are so far out of harmony, you know, and our body is sending these huge warning signs. And then we're like, okay, maybe I should slow down. But then yeah. as soon as we feel better, we go back to doing what we were doing before, when instead we just need to find a new way of doing things that allows us to constantly flow. Mm, great, great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, uh, Araba. And there are also an, another framework that you introduced us to in your book. You call it the three seeds of African-centered wellness. Can you please yes. tell us more about that? And how can people decide which of these tools and practices um, can suit them and their wellness routines? Yeah, absolutely. So the three seeds of African-centered wellness is something that I came up with as a really easy way to look at your wellness routine 
and basically fill any gaps or make changes or, you know, just be able to easily come up with activities for your wellness routine. So the three seeds of African-centered wellness, the first seed is music and movement, which very much go hand in hand. Uh, The second seed is Mother Earth. And the third seed is magic. So within the first magic one, with a with a K, with not a with K, a C. Yes. yes, magic <laughs> with a K. Yes, so I'm going to come back to that. Yeah. Um, the first seed, music and movement. You know, very self-explanatory. Um, but you know, it could be anything from how you exercise to um, doing sound healing to learning to play an instrument. I also in the book include a chapter on creativity under the music and movement um, section because creativity is flow, right? So that's even though it might not be physically moving, it's a form of energetic movement. Um, so, you know, that's somewhat kind of what you would expect, music and movement. The second seed is Mother Earth. And this, again, you know, you might instantly think of spending time in nature, um, maybe the food that you eat. And those are definitely important. But this is also a little bit about what we talked about, you know, staying in harmony with nature's cycles, with your own cycles, and also um, using herbal healing as well as um, a first port of call for both preventative medicine, but also for minor complaints, because, um, you know, when it comes to pharmaceuticals and Western medicine, it is absolutely a lifesaver and has its place. And I'm definitely not advocating for anyone to completely uh, do away with Western medicine. But I think we have become far too dependent on um pharmaceuticals to fix every problem when in fact I agree. Not de- exactly pharmaceuticals are not designed to heal us they're designed to suppress symptoms so if you have something like a headache or a tummy ache or um you know a pain caused by inflammation what a um a painkiller does is literally kill the pain it doesn't solve the issue but herbal medicines are less about um, uh, killing that pain sensor and more about getting to the root of the problem and fixing the problem. So it makes sense that we start looking to herbal healing as a preventative measure, but also for those kind of lesser complaints. Um, So that's Mother Earth. And then finally, magic with a K. So Uh, Magic with a K for me means transformational change. It's the kind of magic that we all have access to. It's not about spells and um, witchcraft. It's not witchcraft. (laughs) It's not anything scary or anything that only allows certain people to do it. You know, this is something that we all have access to transformational change and that can be um, achieved through ritual and again ritual doesn't have to be anything scary Um, a ritual can be as simple as waking up every morning and praying and meditating you know it it can be whatever fits with your life and your beliefs Um, and ritual is an excellent way of creating magic transformational change but it can also be through 
through storytelling. It can also be through the power of community and communal healing. And it can be through the power of connecting with your ancestors, which is a whole chapter in the book as well. So these three seeds of African-centered wellness, they are not by any means um you know, I don't wish to present them as the only way to practice African-centered wellness. My um, intention with this was to just make it easier to understand, okay, where do I need to, um, what kinds of activities do I need to do to create this wellness routine? Where do I have gaps? Where do I want to do more, you know? Hmm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And for those who want to find a community who actually practices all these things, um, where can they find that? Are there groups uh, around mm. the world that are actually practicing uh, these rituals, these rituals and wellness practices? Mm, that's a great question. So, I think first of all, one thing that I really wanted to get across with this book is that. African-centered wellness or even African spirituality is not a pre-written path that you can just follow. You know, it's not the same as doing Ashtanga yoga. It's not the same as following the Buddhist path. It is very much something that is at first individual. You have to decide how you want to practice it. So for one person, um, you know, coming back to finding the communities, for one person, that might be um, joining a Caribbean cooking class, you know, um, and that that's that community that's there. For another person, it might be um, joining a book club that has nothing to do with African books or Africa, but that idea of community and learning together in itself is an African ideal. Um, for another person, it might be going to a, a twerk class, you know. So you have to start as the individual deciding what you want your African-centered wellness routine to look like. And then once you decide what things you want to do, then you can go out and search for the communities. You know, it could be that you very much want to, you know, do it in a very typical African way. Maybe you want to do African dance classes, African drumming, um, African cooking, you know, that's fine. And then you can search for those kinds of communities and groups in your area. But maybe you just want to do other things. Maybe you want to do yoga. Uh, maybe you want to do Tai Chi. And you can do all of those things in an African-centered way as well. It's about the approach rather than the activity itself. So I think it starts with the individual deciding what they want to do. And then that will allow them to find the communities that have those activities. And if you don't find the communities in your area, you know, depending where you live, you might not have access. I really, um, I really would love to encourage you to see if you can start your own community because if you're wanting to do something and you can't find it there's probably other people around you thinking the same thing um and you know if that feels inaccessible then there's also virtual communities you know we can use the power of the internet to connect with people mm, that's great advice Sarah that really is and how has learning about your heritage and really connecting with your roots, how has it changed your life? Because now you are representing it in a big way on a global platform. How has that changed your life? That's a great question. Um, 
You know, what I was saying earlier about purpose and destiny, I think the biggest change has been that I am 100% undoubtedly living my purpose at this moment. And I feel that I am very much on the path of my destiny. Um, so that's, that's a big change. Um, and I think also it's really, <laughs> it's just, it's just changed everything. Basically, it's changed everything because I now feel so connected to my ancestors and to my heritage where I didn't have that before. And that changes everything from your self-esteem to your feelings of belonging to your, um, to, you know, just your, your peace levels, <laughs> your peace and calm yeah. level. You know, I understand. You know, Right. I mean, of course, life throws stress at you all the time. Um, but I just, I feel that I am finally myself, where I didn't know before that I wasn't myself, but now I know that I am. Um, and I'm really grateful to be doing this work and to hopefully be guiding others on a similar path so that they can experience this feeling as well. Yeah. And you, you've created such a great resource for, you know, the Africans and everybody, really, but particularly those who have African roots who want to find a way to connect with their Thank traditions. You. you know, I think I think it was much needed. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And for someone like me who's curious, <laughs> I was uh, I was like, I, I definitely need to, uh, you know, speak to her and really make people aware of these resources that they have not heard of, you know, and people should know about it. Mm, absolutely. And I think that's the thing. This book was very much written to black people. You know, I was writing to black people. This is our knowledge. We have every right to access it. Here it is. Um, but, you know, it's also a, a great opportunity to share it with other cultures because, so often, you know, what you see of Africa in the media is negative um, or, yes, you know, it's it, unfortunate. Yeah. And it, it's just one story, really. So it's also a great opportunity to share these, as you said, beautiful parts of our culture with others. And I also think so much of what is in the book is a shared experience with other people of color, you know, not just mm -hmm. black people, this this, you know, you mentioned earlier, this um, experience of having your traditions demonized or feeling disconnected from them, you know, and so I hope that for other people of color who read the book, they also feel seen and feel inspired to look deeper into their heritage and reconnect with it. I think and I hope that things are changing and you know, we are in the midst of what people are calling an African renaissance, yeah. where we have, you know, um, African popular culture becoming more globalized. And yeah. with that, I am seeing people, more people talking about African spirituality and wellness. So I, I hope that we can continue together to give Africa a voice in, in this conversation. Absolutely. Well, Araba, it's been wonderful talking to you and learning about your traditions. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your knowledge with all of us. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you.
All right, everyone. So Arabo's book, Return to Source, Unlock the Power of African-Centered Wellness is available wherever books are sold and on her website, arabaoa.com. As usual, the links will be in the description. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.